So I will continue in that vein today. As many of you all know, I am an educator by trade, and so I spend the majority of my days <laughs> caring for other people's children and um, raising them up in the best way I know how in the house of the Lord, but you know, at the schoolhouse at the same time. Um, one of my jobs is to handle discipline at the school. And when the kids get in trouble, um, I send them in my office. Sometimes I'm already in there, sometimes I'm not. But one thing's for sure is the worship music is always going. A little undertone in there. Um, so we can, you know, break up the follow ground, get them, get them ready. Because some things I just look at and I'm like, I know what your problem is. <laughs> like, I already know what your problem is. I'm figure out how I can help you cast it out. But a lot of times when they're new to school, especially the little kinders, they're so small, tiny, tiny, teeny, tiny. I had a teeny tiny who, who got in trouble. He, um, he, he uh, touched a giny. He, he touched somebody's giny, okay? So, y'all know, y'all know what the giant is? So he was in big trouble, okay? So he, he had to go in the office. We definitely needed worship music at this point. And I kept asking him questions and he would not respond. And I'm like, I'm trying to help you. Like, you gotta tell me why, because if you don't tell me why you touched her giant? Like, if you gotta at least help me out. Give me some, I'm here to help you. But you're gonna have to do something. You're gonna have to open your mouth and respond to what I'm saying. So I kept asking him question after question after question and eventually he, he, he was just, he, he couldn't say anything. So I sent him out and he went to the front desk and um, my office manager was out there and she was like, you have to tell Miss Dumas something. And so he started crying and he, he told her what happened. And she said, well, why you wouldn't just tell her? And he said, because she's really important. <laughs> Pumpkin, that's why you should have told me. But it reminded me of how sometimes we can be so in awe of Holy Spirit that we don't actually get what we need from him. And so we realize that he's really important. But when he tries to help us, we have nothing to say. When he tries to come to our rescue, we don't actually do what he's teaching us and training us and guiding us to do. And so we've sat there with all the help that we need, with all power, all authority sitting in front of us to actually pull us out of what we got ourselves into. And we are mute and paralyzed. I want to preach a message today entitled, The Power to Do. I've been raised in church, and you often hear the scriptures um, about Holy Spirit, and, you know, people say, you know, after he comes on you, you get power. And it stops right there. We are some of the most still, power-filled people. Some of us, we've been full of power for 20 years and the lights still haven't come on. John chapter 14 speaks of Holy Spirit. If you um, look at John 14 and verse 16, and I do realize today is Pentecost Sunday. I'm, I'm going to read y'all favorite one too. 
But this is where, this is where we need to start. John 14 and 16 says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. When we move um, just one chapter over to John 15, verse 26, it brings up this concept again of the helper. And it says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The first testimony service right there. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. We've been in the honor series and we've talked a lot about honoring uh, people in the earth and honoring places and honoring positions and honoring the house of God. But today I wanna talk to you about honoring Holy Spirit. When we think about honor, we've defined it as value. We've defined it as um, holding in high regard. We've uh, talked about it as being this esteemed or this great place that we, you know, really think a lot of something um, or even somebody because we've talked about honoring each other as well. But every context that we've discussed honor in thus far has been honor as a noun. But honor is not only defined as a noun, but honor is also defined as a verb. And if any of you used to do uh, what I used to do on Saturday mornings, then you know that a verb is an action word. All right, I used to watch Saturday mornings. All right, the good TV. All right, conjunction function, all that stuff. What's your function? Yeah. <laughs> you know, then you cannot have a verb without action. And so if you are to honor Holy Spirit, you have to allow him not to just give you power, but the power to do, the power to move, the power to be, the power to pursue. When honor is defined as a verb, uh, my favorite piece of that definition is to defer to. So that means when you have a thought, when you have an idea, when you have something to say, when you have somewhere to go, you don't do any of it, you defer to Holy Spirit. And so you allow Holy Spirit to be the guide that you check in with always before you go to do. When we look at John 14, it talks about this concept of being um, a helper. And so when Jesus is leaving the disciples, he's trying to comfort them really in that moment. He's like, look, I it's better for me actually to go and be with the Father because, see, I'm here beside you. But if you allow me to leave, if you allow me to go and per fulfill purpose in this way, you get somebody to be inside of you. And so you don't know no longer have to walk beside me or find me in the morning or go sit with me on the side of the boat. You get to take Holy Spirit with you everywhere that you go. And so let me go so that you can be better off. The Bible says that it's great. It's to your greater advantage that I actually leave Holy Spirit with you. Holy Spirit should be considered a catalyst for action. 
and not just action on Sunday morning, and not just action in worship, and not just action to speak in tongues. Because, see, that's good for show. But life is not a game. And so when the show is over, if you don't actually take Holy Spirit with you, everything you danced over, everything you sweated over, everything you over, you are going to be lost by the time Monday comes and you have to deal with real life. That's why we need Holy Spirit in us. We need Holy Spirit that gives us the power to do. That means no more lazy Holy Spirit. We like lazy Holy Spirit. Lazy Holy Spirit allows you to just act out in church and work with everybody else and then keep going about your life. That's a lazy one. J-List, I call her my little helper. Everything I do at, at home, she like, I'll help you. I'll help you. She like, show me how to do it. I want to help you. Most recently, she learned how to wash the dishes. Come through, wash dishes. And every time... Every time she washes the dishes, I let everybody in the house know, Jayla's washed the dishes. I'm just saying, an extra rinse is not going to hurt you. I'm just, I'm just letting y'all know, because she's learning. But one of the things about a helper is if you don't employ the helper with something to do, then all the skill that they have within them is of no benefit to you. So you can yell that he's a helper, you can yell he's a comforter, you can yell he's a guide, but if you never actually employ him to do that and to be that in your life, he has all that skill bottled up for absolutely nothing. Many of us, we have a lot of helpers, but we're working overtime because we won't employ the help that's been given to us. We think about Holy Spirit um, Holy Spirit is there to teach you things. The scripture says he will instruct you. He will teach you. When we think about um, this idea of teaching you things, what's the point of you being taught something if you're not going to do it? Have you ever learned something and then not actually do it? Over time, you no longer know how to do it. So the Holy Spirit has taught many of us how to overcome depression, how to overcome grief, how to make wise decisions, how to build relationships, how to save money, how to be a better Christ follower, but because we never actually did anything with the instruction, down the line we actually have forgotten how to do it. And so we wasted our five years sitting here every Sunday and Wednesday. We wasted our one year of sitting here every Sunday and Wednesday. You wasted your 20 years of sitting here every Sunday and Wednesday because you've been instructed on many things, but you haven't actually done anything with that instruction. Our honor for Holy Spirit should make us not want to waste his instruction. Our honor for Holy Spirit should give us this sense of true freedom. Have you ever heard people talk about um, this concept of when I was in the world or before I was saved, I didn't have this problem? I hear people say it all the time. Before I gave my life to Christ, I had more money. They say it. They may not say it to you. They say it to me all the time. Before I started being faithful in the church, I just had so much free time. I never had a problem finding a man until I dedicated my life to the Lord. 
believe them. But the problem is, what you really didn't have a hard time finding was somebody to be with. You, could, you weren't finding a man. A real man's gonna be found in you being in purpose. So you were finding something. You, it wasn't a man though. But what it reminds me of is really this idea that we haven't even touched the beginning of the understanding of the liberty and freedom that exists in Holy Spirit if for one second we think that we've been robbed of something. The minute you think that your commitment to God took away from you anything that compares what's added to you, you simply don't have the value of it yet. And that's okay because we're learning and growing together. If I give a kid, um, you know, that's maybe two years old, a $50 bill, it's the same thing as giving them a $1 bill. Because they, they're like, it's money. If they can grasp that. All they know is that it's money. It's something in their hand. Many of us, we've been walking around with hundreds of thousands of revenue, resources, and value, and we've treated Holy Spirit like he's a dollar bill. Trampled on the ground. We don't know the value of it, and so when it comes time to cash in, we don't even know what we can spend. That means we don't even know what's available to us. We don't even know the vastness of what we've been endowed with. We have no idea of what our inheritance is because we have not valued Holy Spirit in the way that he is to be honored and valued. This means that we've been stuck in legalism. So you know the Holy Spirit exists. You know you should want him. And so you're like, okay, I'll get him. They said everybody getting the ghost Sunday night. I'm going to get in the line. I'm going to get the ghost, right? They said I should get him. They said he's going to help me. I'll take it. But if you don't know, it's like having a designer purse left to you worth millions and you sit it on the shelf and exchange it back and forth on Sundays like you do your Target bag. There is a level of value in Holy Spirit that we have to begin to tap into. Our identity is found in valuing Holy Spirit. We talk about being the body of Christ. One of the things that stands out to me about Pentecost Sunday is this idea that they were all on one accord. Have you ever played musical chairs? And it was you and somebody else fighting for the same chair? Have you ever played with any of the people at this church? You were probably at risk for losing your life. But it became a competition because everybody was vying for the same chair, for the same seat. We have treated our identity like that, like it's a race for the same chair, for the same seat, for the same voice, for the same platform, for the same influence, for the same impact, 
for the same flyer, for the same concert, for the same fans. Oh, did I say fans? I'm sorry, ministry followers. But if you don't find your identity in Holy Spirit, then you rob yourself of the actual authority that he brings to you. Because if you're fighting for somebody else's chair, your authority is not even over there. It's like when you try on something and it just doesn't fit. And so you would look great if you would wear something your size. You would look amazing if you would just put on a dress that fits you. Your feet would feel better if you just wear shoes that are your actual size. And then you could just keep on running. But you've been running in somebody else's shoes. And so your authority, your identity has been robbed. Holy Spirit will give you your own ID. Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you into the purpose, promise, and plan for your life. You know, true authority actually comes from knowing Holy Spirit. Many of us, we wonder why when we open our mouths, uh, things don't move like when other people open their mouths. Because you haven't been walking in your full authority. It's not in the level of your voice. It's one of the things that I love about all nations is y'all let me preach and I don't have to preach like him. But you all afford me that opportunity that we haven't afforded each other or ourselves. To just be ourselves, be 100% who we are, what we've called to, own up to our mistakes, own up to our past, own up to what God is calling us to in the future, and let it look nothing like the people around you. Acts 19 and 2, Paul, he's talking to um, the people of Ephesus, and he asked them a question. He asked them if they know Holy Spirit. And they're like, no, no, I don't know him. They are like 70% of the church. They don't know him. They heard of him. They don't actually know him. When you know him, you have no choice but to value him. There is a widespread dishonor for Holy Spirit. There is a widespread lack of value for Holy Spirit because of what people have made him into and not because of who he actually is. It's like when you get a bad reputation in high school and you just can't shake it. For many people in the church, Holy Spirit has been like that. They heard something about them. They saw something. It was mislabeled as that. And so now their value for Holy Spirit has gone down because they don't really know him. And so they begin to treat him like an object and not a person. Because it's easier to reject an object than it is to reject a person. Because see, an object will just sit there. You can go pick it up when you want it. You can put it down when you, you put it down when you're done with it. You can take it with you. You cannot. And it will never actually say anything because it's just an object. It's just sitting there. But when you get the revelation of Holy Spirit as person, of Holy Spirit as someone, you can't ignore him anymore. Because as long as you recognize he is a person, he'll start talking to you. He'll start giving you instruction. There are certain things I refuse to do without Holy Spirit. Now, it should be everything I refuse to do without Holy Spirit. I'm getting there. My list is growing day by day. 
There are a couple of things I won't do without him. I don't take a new job without Holy Spirit. Because I don't like switching often. I have to pray for where I'm going to have favor, where I'm going to have longevity, where I'm going to have a say for what I'm going to make. I will not go into that job. If I'm going to a job interview, I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit. You coming too. You're not leaving me out here. You ready? Let's go. Come on, Holy Spirit. We're about to meet these people. Come on. Tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Tell me how to be. Tell me what to say. I don't get dressed without Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit will not allow for God, the Godhead, the triune, the Trinity, to be mocked. Holy Spirit told me to, for today, he said, I don't care how much you lost since you had that baby. Get the extra large. Huh? Holy, Holy Spirit tell you, you're feeling real snatched, huh? Now scoot on over. I know you may feel like you could preach in a medium. But Holy Spirit will tell you, go one hanger over, two hangers over, three hangers over. You see that one at the end? I saved that one just for you. Uh-huh. He took me straight from the medium to the extra large. He said, God is not mocked. Ain't no buttons going to be popping on this stage. Many of us, we haven't listened to Holy Spirit because we have over-spiritualized it. We think that Holy Spirit is a guide and a comforter when we want him to be. No. He will guide you every step of the way, every piece of your life. Did you ask Holy Spirit before you married the person you complain about now? In the area that we serve, people have custody issues. I feel bad for them. It is disheartening. I had a situation this week, I just, I didn't even know what to do. They were fighting over this kid, the mom's on the phone, the dad's outside, she's saying don't send him with him, but they have no paperwork. I couldn't do anything. But at some point, Holy Spirit was shut up. At some point, Holy Spirit was not listened to. And I know we don't like to hear that there are consequences to muting Holy Spirit, but the longer you keep him on mute, there will be consequences for your actions. There will be consequences for your actions. If you let Holy Spirit talk all day long like he does, then he will lead you to where you need to be. That means you ask Holy Spirit. If you're not willing to marry that person, you shouldn't be willing to sleep with them. Particularly have kids with them. Why would you have kids with somebody you wouldn't even marry? You marry them for life. Kids is just an 18-year sentence. They're going to leave. Holy Spirit, though, because we haven't valued him, we've treated him like he's just an accessory for the circus. Some of us, we've desired to speak in tongues just so we can fit in. 
just so we can look oily a little bit. But we haven't valued everything that he brings to the table. He is a person. He is not a thing. I don't care how many times we say that he came like fire. He came like fire. He's not fire. He anointed us with oil. He's not oil. He fills us with water. He's not water. He is God. He is God. Manifest as your personal guide to life, to purpose, to the great commission, to make disciples, to live this life in a way where you get the abundance. We talk about living life more abundantly. You can't do that without Holy Spirit. The abundance is in Holy Spirit. The abundance is when he leaves us Holy Spirit and then he says greater works. Greater works is the abundance. Holy Spirit is the predecessor for the greater work. We already had God. We already had Jesus. But when it came time to do, that's when he said, I'm going to leave you Holy Spirit. Because now it's time to do the work. And now that it's time to do the work, I know exactly what you need. You need me to leave you Holy Spirit. You need me to go sit back up there with my daddy because I'm still in the show right now. I'm doing everything. I'm doing all the work. And now you need me to go on up there and sit next to my daddy. I'm going to leave you exactly what you need. Dishonor is refusing to see and to savor what he wants to show us. Because sometimes Holy Spirit shows us something and we go ask for a second opinion. We treat him like he's a doctor on the roll. You know how you do? You go see one doctor, you don't, you don't like what they say, so you go see another doctor. You need a second opinion, you need to go see a specialist. So we think that our friends are specialists in certain things. We think our family are specialists in certain things. So even though Holy Spirit is constantly telling us, he's right here, you go for a second opinion. Acts 7 and 51 I love the way it says it. I believe it's in the um, New Living Translation. And it says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians calls it quenching the Spirit. Ephesians calls it Grieving the spirit. All of these are due to the misrepresentation of the spirit. When the spirit is misrepresented, we only get pieces of him and not the fullness of him. When Holy Spirit is misrepresented, he becomes isolated from our character. So we feel like we can live life without him touching our character because he's been misrepresented. He's been represented as the give and take. But we should just be taking from Holy Spirit. You don't give him suggestions. You don't give him what you think. You don't give him your plan unless you're ripping it up and throwing it in pieces at his feet. But you allow him to be everything that he could be. Holy Spirit's been misrepresented as somebody that we use as an excuse for our sin. Holy Spirit has been used by pastors as the reason why they divorced their wife and married somebody new the next month. 
because the spirit was leading them to divorce their wife. Because the spirit was leading them to leave the church in rebellion. Because the spirit was leading them to take on a man as a project. Because the spirit was leading them to quit their job when they had a contract. Because the spirit was leading them to spend their money on going to a conference instead of paying their bills. Because the spirit was leading them. That is the misrepresentation of the Holy Ghost. You ought to be tried and put in jail for misrepresentation. We have used Holy Spirit as an excuse for doing stupid stuff. And when you use him as an excuse for doing dumb stuff, then he is misrepresented in the earth. And so people don't want him because you made him look stupid. I wouldn't follow anybody stupid like that that causes you to make stupid decisions. And it's your fault why people don't want Holy Spirit. Because you made him look like something nobody would ever want. You made him look like the weakest part of the Trinity. When he is the empowering one of the Trinity. So you have churches of people who grieve Holy Spirit week after week. Who called him to be silent. Because when he had a mic in the hand of your life, you misrepresented him. So it's time for us to repent as a body. And we repent for the misrepresentation of Holy Spirit. We repent for allowing Holy Spirit to be something that just makes us look and shout and jump like monkeys. Holy Spirit is intelligent. Holy Spirit is all-knowing. Holy Spirit is powerful. Holy Spirit has wisdom. Holy Spirit is the one that guides and leads and comforts. Holy Spirit is love. Holy Spirit is who we need. Talks about the actions of Holy Spirit. The Bible, if you actually want to apply it to your heart correctly, you have to filter it through Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit is going to guide you to the proper revelation of the Spirit that you need for your life right now. If you read the Bible without Holy Spirit, you read it for your benefit. If you read the Bible without Holy Spirit, you only go to the scriptures that make you feel good. But if you want to actually apply the Bible to your heart, you need Holy Spirit. There's evidence of Holy Spirit. All the scriptures that talk about Holy Spirit, it tells you what to do from the basics of Christianity all the way through fivefold ministry. All the scriptures of Holy Spirit, they'll take you from baby Christian to big, big apostle. Because that's what we think is like an arriving point. Ta-da! We read in Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We read in Acts 13 and 52, it says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They didn't separate them. You need joy, then you need Holy Spirit. You need to be more kind, then you need Holy Spirit. You need patience, then you need Holy Spirit. You need self-control, you need Holy Spirit. That's the basics of Christianity. 
1 Corinthians 8 and 1, it talks about now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs, puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Holy Spirit gives wisdom. It talks about here our intellect, our intellect what you think you know. Because see, our culture overemphasizes this idea of reason, which is the problem because it doesn't make sense. So when you try to take Holy Spirit and make sense of him, that's when you end up with come Sunday. Because heresy comes when you try to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. You don't need it to make sense. You just need the wisdom of God on it. But when we are in a culture that gives you a promotion for being an excellent thinker, that gives you a platform for being smart, that gives you a job for knowing so much, then you become puffed up in your own knowledge, but you actually have no wisdom. This quality of being discerning and perceptive is a real characteristic of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the true source of wisdom. When we read in Joel 2 and 28, verses 29, it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We like that. And then we praise over it. That's not actually what it says. It says that after you get the spirit, then now prophesy. It, it didn't say join the team and prophesy. It didn't say go to the step-up table so that you can prophesy. And it's not talking about prophesying with a mic. It's talking about waking up every day and prophesying to yourself. Prophesy to your situation. Prophesy to your bank account. Prophesy to your kids. Prophesy to your grades. Prophesy to your life. Prophesy to your spouse. Prophesy to your land. Prophesy to your house. You don't need Holy Spirit to jump and skip. You need a prophesy. Joel continues to say, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Sick of people talking about, I just don't know what to do with my life. I, I just don't know what the next steps are. Well, I feel bad for you. All I can do is introduce you to Holy Spirit because he knows everything. We'll make a counseling appointment for something that Holy Spirit has been trying to tell us. It says that when you have Holy Spirit, you dream dreams. You need another dream, you need Holy Spirit. You can't see the vision for your life, you need Holy Spirit. You don't know what the next steps are, you need Holy Spirit. You're lost and confused, you need Holy Spirit. Your vision board didn't work out, you need Holy Spirit. You went to three vision board parties last year and you still ain't getting nothing on the little cardboard, little, little piece of paper, little magazine pictures. You need Holy Spirit. If you had Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need to put it on construction paper because he'd write it on your heart.
Luke 4 and 18, it says the spirit of the Lord, because I don't like to make this stuff up. I say you just go back to the word. It says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. But we are the oppressed. But, but we are the captives. But we are the brokenhearted. Not only are you not supposed to be on that receiving end, but you're supposed to be the person that's delivering it. And so when you think that you're supposed to come to church so you can hear good preaching, you've got it all confused. You need Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit will cause you to open your mouth and preach the gospel to everybody that you meet, to preach the gospel on your job, to preach the gospel in the grocery store, to preach the gospel in the street, to preach the gospel at work, at school, to your children, to your spouse. You have not received Holy Spirit for selfish exploits. You thought that Holy Spirit was here to be your patsy? So you could climb on his back and make a name for yourself? You have Holy Spirit so you can preach the gospel and pull people out of darkness and deliver them from their issues. You got power to do, but you've done nothing. 1 Corinthians 12 and 4 through 7 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Watch this. For the profit of all. This is my favorite. 1 Corinthians 14, just two chapters later, I'm going to put them together. Even so, 1 Corinthians 14 and 12, even so, you, since are zealous for spiritual gifts, he like, you want them so bad, huh? You just, you want to prophesy, you want to sing and worship, you want prophetic songs, you want all the revelation, right? You just want it so bad. Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. This is why I get so confused because oh man, people say things like, they just want to use me for my gift. Um, I, I know it sounds bad when you say it like that, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> like, it, I know that people feel bad for you when you're like, they just want to use me. Everybody at that church just wants to use me for my gift. Everybody at that church just wants to use me so I can think. Well, <laughs> it said that that's the only reason why you got it. <laughs> the word says that I gave you a gift so that you can lend your gift to the church and they can use you all day long. They can use you all night long. They can use you as much as they want. Why? Because that's what I gave it to you for. But we somewhere in here got confused and made it bad to be used. You got an administrative gift? Hi, my name is Apostle Jaquette. I'd like to use you. 
You got a prophetic gift? Hi, my name is Apostle Jaquette. I'd like to use you. You know how to cook? I'd like to use you. You know how to sing? I'd like to use you. You know how to dance? I'd like to use you. I may use you up till you ain't got nothing left. And not because I want to, but because that's what the word says. You got in line to get Holy Spirit, and now you got them with you. I'm like, come on, we can all go. He empowers us to be witnesses for our Lord Jesus. In Acts, it says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. People say, well, don't give me something and then expect something in return. That's not biblical. He gave you Holy Spirit and he expects something in return. But we as ladies, we like, no, if he take me to dinner, that don't mean that he's going to get something. Well, that's fine in your natural life. I don't think you should give him something for dinner. You know what I mean? I need five carrots and a covenant. When you gonna pick my ring up? I said, when you gonna pick my ring up? All right, he got my ring cleaned. It's still over there. I'd be like, five carrots, oh. I don't think you should operate like that in the natural. But guess what? That's how it goes in the spirit. He gave them Holy Spirit and right around the same sentence, he was like, now you're gonna be my witness. He like, you got it? You got them with you in there real good? Y'all best friends now? Great, now you're gonna be my witnesses. Tag, you're it. You got Holy Spirit so that you could be empowered to fulfill the great commission. He has empowered us as believers to be energized and controlled by this third person of the Godhead and to love every minute of being controlled. I am his puppet. I am whatever he wants me to be. I will say what he wants me to do. He got me wide open. Whatever he want, he can have it. He can have it all day long in the middle of the night. You want me to wake up and pray? You can have it. You want me to go over there and say something to that lady? You can have it. You want me to lay down and worship? You can have it. You want all my time? You want all my money? You can have it. I am yours and you are mine. That's what Holy Spirit wants to sing to us. The day of Pentecost um, is the day that we celebrate today, but the day of Pentecost, it originally was one of three celebrations for the people of Israel, and it was called the Festival of Weeks. So we celebrate it as a day, but it was originally a festival of weeks. And you didn't just get to jump in on the festival. You had to prepare for the festival. You could just show up to the party. Because we like, ain't no party like the Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. I'm up in here late. I'm 15 minutes late, but I'm ready for Holy Ghost. No. No. That, that's, that's not it. They actually had to prepare. And there were three things that they had to be ready for the festival. When they got to this great feast, then they had to um, celebrate this idea of bringing their first fruits. 
What? They want me to pay for the anointing? No, you're not paying for the anointing because you can pay for something that's already been paid for. It's called an offering and it's for you, not for Holy Spirit. You can't pay for him. You don't have that much money. So no, nobody wants you to pay for the anointing. But an offering is required. Your first fruits. The other thing they had to do was they had to make a sacrifice in order to be part of this festival. The other thing is they had to set aside time for the holy convocation. We don't set aside time for the holy gathering. We like, hum, it's Sunday. Do I feel like it or no? Hmm, it's Sunday. It's my only day off though. And it's my birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday. You... And so we don't set it aside. It's a second thought. But in order to be part of this festival, you had to set aside that time to not do anything else. You had to commit to be a part of the festival for the time of the festival. Now, we as Christians, we have allowed for um, Pentecost to be taken over as the day of Pentecost. And I'm not disregarding that, but it also has another context. So when we read in Acts 2 and 1, this is the one we, you know, this is the one we know, this one we shout about. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit give, gave them utterance. Beginnings are exciting. Everybody likes something shiny and new. Holy Spirit was brand new. They're like, yes! He's doing a new thing. He coming through, he coming through, he coming through. That's how we feel at first when it's new and exciting. The freshness of a relationship. It's my boo. I mustard, he catch up. He the peanut butter to my jelly. Yes. You bring the bread, I bring the lunch meat, baby. It's all brand new. Everything you got, I want to do it with you. Wherever you at, I want to be. And that's how we feel in the beginning. The day of Pentecost was just that initial beginning. But in order to get sustained results out of Holy Spirit, you have to actually put in work in that relationship. Acts 2 is just the beginning. And then they give you a promise of what could continue. But the minute that you get off of one accord, you don't get it no more. The minute that you stop making sacrifice, you don't get it no more. Because this is just the beginning of a harvest that is hinted at as a future of abundance. We want the harvest. But we do not want to continue to do the work. We've planted seeds and allowed the seed of Holy Spirit to be planted in us, and we walked away from the field. We didn't water it. <laughs> we didn't tend to it. We didn't trim the weeds. 
We didn't turn the soil. The seed was there. And we're just looking for harvest. Harvest not coming. We're getting frustrated. But we need a fresh perspective. We don't celebrate the day of Pentecost because we want um, to remember what was. We celebrate the day of Pentecost because we want to activate once again what could be. We celebrate the day of Pentecost because we need the boldness of Peter. We need the boldness of Peter that says, because you left Holy Spirit with me, I have the power to turn the world upside down. Because you left Holy Spirit with me, I can try again. Because you left Holy Spirit with me, I can breathe again. I can live again. I can start all over from scratch. Because you left Holy Spirit with me, I can trust again. Because you left Holy Spirit with me, I get peace again. Because you left Holy Spirit with me, it doesn't matter the mistakes I made, but I can commit to let him guide me again. Because you left Holy Spirit with me, it doesn't matter the hurt, it doesn't matter the pain. It doesn't matter the turmoil because I have a comforter that is ever present. Because you left Holy Spirit with me, I celebrate the day of Pentecost. I celebrate the day that we came together as one body on one accord and we allowed for ourselves to get low enough in you for you to take over. Because of Holy Spirit, we celebrate a promise. We celebrate an abundant future of what could be. But don't be foolish and put him in a box like he's a thing. He's speaking. He's speaking to your heart right now. And even when you feel like he's not saying anything, his silence gives you the message that you need. God, right now, we just read For every piece of Holy Spirit that we rejected, we used them for the best part and frankly what we wanted at times. But as we celebrate this day, 